It's time for Dodger Hi everyone and welcome to the Dodge and Sleep podcast. Wherever and whenever you're listening to us, I hope you're having a very pleasant day. We're recording this on the 3rd of May and on this day in Dodgers history, way back in 2009, the Dodgers beat San Diego 2-1 in a game that lasted 10 innings, but that's not why I'm quoting it tonight. It's because in doing so, they tied a franchise record of nine consecutive home wins to start the season. Not bad start at all. Uh, my name's Ian Carlson. Uh, on the pod tonight, we've got Ian Blees. Young Ian, how are you doing, Ian? I'm really good. Thanks, Ian Senior. Looking forward to get chatting about some quality Dodgers content. Excellent. And we've also got Adam Lake. How are you doing, Adam? I am very tired. I've lost stagnant all weekend and I am <laughs> shattered. <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, sadly, not with us tonight is, is Leon. He's feeling under the weather, so I hope you get well soon. Uh, and that means Young Ian has taken over responsibilities for all the production and technological stuff, which um, is going wonderfully well so far, I'm pleased to say. So, um, as usual this week, we're going to start with a review of the week. Uh, we will then talk about one Mr Kershaw. Uh quickly touch on the uh, latest position with Trevor Bauer. Uh, then we have a champion in our midst. We will be talking about uh, young Ian's amazing baseball successes over the weekend uh, before previewing the games over the coming week. So starting with a review, um, less said about this, the better. Uh, I, I, I certainly uh, will be taking a long, hard look at myself before giving predictions um, at the end of tonight's pod, given I did so badly last time round. Um, but we ended up having been one up in the series against the D-backs when we last recorded the pod. We ended up losing that series. Um, had a bit of a wobble against the Tigers, but ended up winning that one 2-1. So a bit up and down. Um, Adam, what, what were your takeaways from, from the week? I'm like you, never making a prediction ever again. I think I went for, for five straight wins and that backfired in my face almost straight away. Uh, it, it's, it's one of those things. I don't know. what I can't actually remember much of the D-back series. Uh, it couldn't have been very good if we'd lost, but I, I cannot remember much of it. I thought it looks all right against the Tigers from what I've seen. Obviously, the, the middle game we lost wasn't great. It's just the bats didn't turn up really, which, which is standard because they never do when Kershaw starts really, do they? So, Yeah, it's, um, yeah, we, we had a bit of that last year, certainly, and, 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 in, and previous years as well. Ian, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, ordinarily I'd be quite smug about being the closest to getting the predictions right. But, what you know, when I predicted three and two and it finishes two and three and with the teams that we're playing against are the Tigers uh, and the Diamondbacks, there's not a lot to be to be smug about at all. It's uh, it's not been a great week. A couple of, uh, a couple of encouraging signs. Um, uh, Tommy Canely coming back. Uh, he's only pitched the one inning, but he came back, picked up two strikeouts. 
Uh, looks like he's come back healthy. Looks like he's ready to, you know, to to play a role in the bullpen to start with. So really pleased with with what what I saw there. Uh, Craig Kimbrell moved on to eighth in the all-time saves list. Uh, I didn't write down how many saves he actually has now, but obviously quite a few. Um, after singing his praises last week and talking about how it looks like he might be back, Belly went on something like an over twenty-two streak. Uh, and then snapped it with a with a, an RBI double in the uh, in the last game against the Tigers. So it's good to see him, uh, good to see him shift that. But I think we all know which highlight of the week uh, we we want to talk about. We want to talk about the most, and that's all I'll say. I'll, I'll pass that back on to 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 my senior namesake. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I was initially, and I was thinking, God, let's. We're going to end up with a bit of a doom and gloom uh, review of the week. Um, and then I was looking at the stats and I know we all said, well, Arizona, well, that, you know, you've got to sweep them and probably sweep them every series and all that kind of stuff. You know, they're on a, the last 10 games, they're six and four. They're 11 and 13 now for the season. Um, we talked on the previous pod about the strength of our division um, and they're, you know, all right, they're, they're not above 500 yet, but they're not as bad as the Reds, for instance. Um, and conscious that last year we went through the whole season saying San Francisco are going to fall back, they're going to fall back, they're going to fall back, they can't possibly keep this going. And of course, they kept it going. And, you know, we're still only sort of 20 something games into the season. Um, who knows? We might be looking back in a couple of months' time and going, well, do you know what? Actually, they're a pretty decent team. They're much better than we thought. Um, two ones not the end, of, or, or one two against them is, is not really the end of the world. Um, I can't uh, be surprised having said that if it, if it comes to that because I can't believe all five teams are going to be in the division, going to be comfortably above five hundred and play well. But um, as I say, it would have be certainly this time last week when I predicted a five nil sweep for the week as well. You're looking at Arizona and go, well, yeah, that should be a, you know that should be an easy. Easy three wins, and I think Ian. I think it was you who said, you know, you don't play games on paper; you play them on the on on the field. And and sure enough, that's what's happened. So, yeah, disappointing. But I think the one thing we've learned from doing this pod, if not beforehand, is that the Dodgers, however strong they might be on the paper, they always find ways to um, bemuse, puzzle, and, and disappoint us at freakish points during the season. So, um, you know, you look at the standings; we're still at the top. Um, you know, take that and um, and uh, and run with it. Um, and and with that, onto as, as I've mentioned earlier, and, and you've already alluded to as well, Ian. The um, the highlight of the week is is, is Kershaw becoming the all time uh, strikeout leader for the Dodgers, which which seems to take a while in coming. It's like, is he going to do it this game? Is he going to do this game? And then, and then sure enough, he got he got there in the week and we just gone. Um, Adam, we—I mean—we could be here for several hours if we wanted to. But, but what's your? Have you got any particular favourites that stand out in terms of Kershaw's career, or why you've been following him? Any 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 fun bits that you like the most? Well, without Clayton Kershaw, I would not be a Dodgers fan. So basically, his whole career is the reason I am a Dodgers fan. Because I think the year that I properly started watching it was 2013 when I first started following the Dodgers it was 2014 which was his uh, MVP season 
I think that was his MVP season. Yeah. Yeah. And the man was just ridiculous. Like I, I just, I just properly fell in love with him. I mean, he just seems like the nicest man in the world as well, off the field, which helps because everyone loves a nice guy. But he was so, so good, and I just, I just fell in love with him. I mean, he just everyone, he just struck out everyone that year. I think his, his ERA was one point seven seven, which is mad. That's mad low. Um, but I mean, the one bit that I just I keep going back to is is the World Series him running out of the bullpen in the in the final game. Like I I mean I loved winning the World Series, but what I loved most about it was Kershaw winning it. That was the best bit for me. Seeing how happy he was, I was like, yeah, that is it was the best it was the best moment for me was just seeing him run out yeah there were, there were certainly a few Dodgers players who it felt like it, it had been a long time coming and, and it was great to get them over the line but but yeah that that memory of watching him run onto the pitch sort of looking up at the sky was um yeah that that was stick in the memory for a long time how about how about you Ian what what are your sort of favorite moments of Kershaw's career to date I mean there, there are so many and I almost um I almost look at it and think, you know what, this achievement, all right, it came in a in a, in a midweek loss to the Tigers, uh, but it was at Dodger Stadium, which I think it was, you know, that, that makes it a little bit, a little bit more special for him. Uh, it wasn't, you know, he, he didn't get the mark and then, uh, and, and then stop. He got three more strikeouts on the day, finished up on 2,700. Um, you know, I, I kind of wonder, there was an article written by someone called Sarah Wexler on MLB.com on March 22nd, uh, which basically highlighted all of, uh, all of, sorry, March 27th. Um, and it highlights uh, the top 10 uh, Kershaw moments uh, that will define his career. And I just kind of thought, got myself thinking as to where this would slot in. So if you'll allow me to, uh, to waffle on for a little bit, which we all know I'm inclined to do, um, it's got number one down. Uh, uh, as uh, June the 18th, uh, 2014, we spoke about it last week, and that's the, the no-hitter, 15 Ks, 107 pitches against the Rockies at Dodger Stadium. Number two um, is, and I think um, I completely agree with Adam, uh, was, when, uh, was when he gets his ring, we won the World Series. Uh, I was um, filling up uh, with emotion uh, as, uh, as, you know, it was sinking in that we were winning the world series and it was seeing his face that set me off that night. You know, I, I, you know, I was, I was a bit of a blubbering wreck after that. So happy for the guy. Uh, he's put the, he put the, the whole franchise on his back for, um, for uh, such a long time. And to finally get rewarded uh, with that ring, it was, was sensational. Uh, Adam's already mentioned his MVP season. That's down as number, as, uh, as, uh, uh, as number three. Um, one of my favourites uh, was uh, is at four, and that is April the first, but it's not an April Fool in 2013. Um, when in the bottom of the eighth inning, the sky the score is tied uh, against the San Francisco Giants, and Clayton Kershaw hits the go ahead home run. Um, and not only that, uh, so I should add a couple of his teammates did tack on a few extra runs behind him in that inning, but he then came back out, finished the game. 94 pitch complete game. So uh, they, I believe they call any complete game under 100 pitches a Maddox. Um, 
uh, after the uh, after the rather famous Braves Cubs Dodgers uh, pitcher Greg Maddox. Um, but um, but yeah, that was that that was that's one of my favourites for sure. Uh, obviously, he won Cy Youngs uh, in 2011, 2013, uh, which are down at five and six. He was robbed in 2012, by the way. I'll slot that in as a side note. R.A. Dickey, you know, he was good. But I just, I think that, I just think people decided to vote for, for R.A. Dickey because they thought Kershaw was going to win it for the next 10 years and they wanted to mix it up a little bit. Um, number seven, it was when he got his, the only year in, in 2015 uh, when he got his uh, 300Ks in one season. Uh, on October 13th, 2016, uh, it was when he was brought in as a closer just two days after collecting the win in game four. Um, and uh, we'd have to use, we had to go to the big guy a bit early and he was struggling. He'd, he'd, he'd uh, got through the eighth inning clean. Um, he'd got one out uh, in the ninth and then he'd issued a couple of walks. Uh, so Dave Roberts made the change and closer Kirsch came in and got the job done and sent us through to the NLCS that year. Um, the streaks, now, these are just phenomenal numbers in the you know in this era that we're talking about. So he's got the uh, I think they're the uh, eighth and ninth longest streaks in uh, in MLB history uh, for scoreless uh, innings by a pitcher. Forty-one and two-thirds between the tenth of June and tenth of July, twenty fourteen, and thirty-seven innings between the third of July and the seventh of August. Side note: the uh, the longest streak ever was uh, in 1988 by one Oral Hershiser, and I think we all know what happened that year. Um, and then probably one that's a bit, you know, it, it's in there, but it was it was the first time we saw that curveball. Spring training, uh, 19 years old. There's no video of this, I don't think. I certainly, I, I, I don't think I've seen any. Um, Vince Scully's actually commentating on the game. Um, and he strikes out Sean Casey of the Red Sox on that on that famous curveball. Sean Casey just laughs, uh, and he was asked about it after the game, and he said that pitch is going to be public enemy number one. So when we're looking at those ten moments, my question to to you, Ian Senior, let's go to you, is where does this slot in? Does it make that top ten list, or is it just something else that's that you know one of the many? achievements that, that he's had over the years that, that doesn't quite make, break into the top 10. It's funny because um, great minds clearly think alike because I'm looking at exactly the same list having thought I was always so good in preparing for my, 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 my bit on Kershaw having this whole list even down to the curveball and I thought yes this is going to sound really good and I've just been ticking them off in my head as you run through them all. <laughs> um, I, uh, a couple of before I answer your your, your, your question the, the only thing that I, I fact that I don't think you pulled out from the long list was was and it is in the article when you're talking about his um home run against the Giants is his his career to date ERA against the Giants of 1.88. I mean he's just stomped all over them, hasn't he? I mean it's it's just fabulous. Absolutely. Uh, um where does it slot? I think you always look at it and think, well, it's a, it's a team sport rather than an individual sport. And therefore, things like coming on as a reliever to help the team out against the Nationals, winning the World Series, um, something like things like the streak and the 300 strikeouts where he's clearly carried the team for a prolonged period. Or even going back to some of the less successful postseasons where he's had to pitch on short rest 
just because of injuries or, or, or just lack of pitching depth. And he's unfairly got a bad rap over the years for not being a great post-season pitcher when actually he's, he's almost been the opposite. He's just been carrying the team as far as he possibly could before he, he physically collapses. Um, so I think it's, it's very hard. I mean, I, I, I would have put the World Series at number one on the list anyway, because I think, you know, he's wasted so long and had so many near misses. So I would have reordered it a bit. I think um, I'd put things like the MVP and Cy Young's ahead of it. But I'd probably slot this in maybe somewhere in the middle of the top 10, sort of four or five. Um, I think it covered the Cy Young's MVP World Series. Um, maybe put that, put those slightly ahead of it. Uh, my my personal favourite was the um, was the save against the Nationals when, which just sums up the guy. You know, what does the team need me to do? Well, I'll go and do it. And I, and I think the other point the article mentions is it's, it's his first time pitching to Carlos Ruiz, and he just comes out and just does it. Um, so, um, yeah, it's we we could we could devote the whole pod to, um, uh, and I suspect when at whatever point he finally decides to retire, we probably will do a we could do a Clayton Kershaw commemorative podcast just talking about him because there'd be so much to talk about. Um, but I think, as I said on on last week's podcast, one of the things at the time I was talking about Bueller, but I compared him to Kershaw in terms of when they're on form, they're. You know, normally when you're watching your team or play sport, whatever the sport is, it can get very stressful because you're never sure when they're going to throw something away or something bad's going to happen. Watching Kershaw on form is as close to relaxing as I find watching any of the sports teams that I follow because you know he's as near as damn it uh, un, un, uh, unhittable. And as Adam said earlier in the night, you know we we seem to have a bit of a poor track record of giving him run support, and you think what his what his win loss record would have been. Had we actually, you know, put bat and ball a few more times when he's been pitching, so um, yeah, it's just it's just brilliant, isn't it? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, so I mean, Adam, what about you? You think you're going to uh, where are you going to slot that somewhere somewhere in the middle of that top ten? Yeah, I think you you got to slot it somewhere. It's, yeah, sixth, seventh, eighth, something like that. I reckon it's a good place for it. But I mean, he's not finished there though, is he? So I mean. Eventually, he's going to finish way, way past it, and it'll be even better. I mean, let's hope you're right. Absolutely. Uh, for me, I think it only maybe comes in at number nine. Now, don't even, I'm not trying to belittle the achievement. I think it's absolutely superb that he's been able to uh, to, to check this off to get to 2,700 strikeouts now. Um, I think I, I, I agree with I, I agree with Ian. I think that you know the, the closer moment against Washington. Um, and what it meant in that moment, you know, it was so clutch. The team needed him to, to do something special and he produced it for us. Uh, Washington were threatening and, and we needed we needed our, our ace to, to do something phenomenal. And that's exactly what he achieved. Um, for me, the streaks are, are superb. But for me, you know, they're kind of the sort of records that no one really looks at. No one's going to look at that and go, oh, well, he's got the, the, the eighth and ninth best streaks of scoreless history in, in in, in MLB history, um, I, 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 I personally actually probably would kick the streaks out of the top ten, um, and I'd probably keep the spring training debut in there simply because everyone was talking about that curveball, um, you know, from from then on, and it's become a, a signature 
of 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 what he of, of his game, even though it's now probably his uh, third most effective pitch. It's still a very very effective pitch. Uh, he's always been able to locate that fastball fantastically. Uh, the slider is still one of the best pitches in MLB, uh, and I'm you know, but it was the something about seeing people unable to lay off that curve as it as it as it spikes down in the dirt or watching it drop in or just be unable to make contact with it because of how much it does through the air. Uh, it's it's a it's a superb pitch. So um so yeah so I'm slotting it in I'm slotting it in at number nine but I'm booting the streaks out um and uh and, and keeping the spring training in. Excellent. Excellent. Final point on that is assuming we're still doing the pod at that point is whether we're we talking about Ferris and overtaking Kershaw at some point in however many years' time. But um, we'll worry about that a few years from now. It's a long way to go, yeah. It's a long way to go. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, right. So back to uh, back to the agenda. And, and I did say we would we would touch on, on an update about Trevor Bauer, which is a topic we, we've, we've only really covered, I think, once or twice Um on the podcast previously, but it's 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 clearly a, a, a fairly major piece of piece of piece of news. And, uh, and and shout out to the LA Times and in particular their Dodgers dugout piece by Houston Mitchell, which has provided a lot of useful information for for, for this section. So in, in in summary, for those who don't know, um, he's Bauer's been suspended for three hundred and twenty four games, so the equivalent of two seasons. By the time the uh, suspension comes to an end, his, his Dodgers contract will be over and therefore we don't need to pay him anymore. And, and, and if the suspension is served, and I should stress that, that Bauer has said he is going to appeal and he denies any violation of the league's um, domestic violence and sexual assault policy. But if his appeal fails, then um, we're unlikely to ever see him in the Dodgers shirt again and we won't be paying for it, him for the privilege either. Um so where are we? What's going on with it all? And, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting because one of the things you see in the press is, um, well, how can somebody be suspended when they've not been found guilty in a, in a court of law? And of course, it's a difference between between criminal proceedings and and the MLB's DBSA policy. Um, so, you know, there isn't the sort of beyond a reasonable doubt, there isn't a jury involved. The uh, the MLB can investigate the player. If they find him guilty, then they can they can take action in terms of suspension. Um, the, the, the policy as a whole is something that was part of the collective agreement, which means the players' union, including Bauer, have effectively signed up to it, so, so they have to follow it through. Um, it's slightly more complicated in this case because not all of the evidence has been made public by the MLB. Uh, they've not released the investigation Investigate the, the full results of the investigation, nor are they planning to do so. So that makes it um, a, a bit more difficult to sort of get into the detail on it. Um, it's it's pretty the, the, the key sort of parts of the policy are, are pretty clear in the sense of there's the, there's a definition around what domestic violence covers, which is pretty all encompassing. Uh, a definition of sexual assault and a definition of lack of consent is formed part of that as well. And it's all pretty. It's pretty wide-reaching. It's uh, in, a, in a positive way in that there should absolutely be, be zero tolerance for all of this kind of thing. So there, is, there isn't any sort of scope to kind of squirm out of things on a because of the wording. So the, the wording is robust. It's been agreed by the MLB and the union. Um, 
I guess one area where Bauer may feel aggrieved is the fact that um, of the 15 players previously suspended under the policy for, for something like this, um, I think the, the, the range of the, the number of games that people have been suspended for has ranged from 15 to 162 games. So clearly Bauer at 324 may feel he's being hard done by, but then, as I said earlier, we, we don't have all the evidence and the results of the investigation aren't being, aren't being published. Um, he is also the first player in terms of those who've been charged under the policy who hasn't agreed to a negotiated settlement. Uh, and he's also the first who's had more than one publicly identified accuser. So there's a few areas here where it's it sort of breaks the mould, as it were, in terms of previous players who have been uh, investigated under the policy. Um, as I say, there's a lot of not a lot of the details are not are not there and not public. Um, they may come out during the um, during the appeal, I guess. And in, and in terms of the appeal, the burden of proof lies with the league rather than with Bauer uh, in terms of the independent arbitrator who's going to examine the decision. Um, but but really, there's, there's possibly not a lot else to add other than, as I said earlier, I, I would fully support there being um, zero tolerance for any kind of abuse like this. Um, if, if the investigation has been done properly and fairly and thoroughly and I've no reason to think it hasn't been, then I would absolutely support the decision by the league to, to suspend Bauer or indeed any other player. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts for now. And obviously we'll, we'll track this going forward as the, the appeal pans out. Um, I don't know whether Ian or Adam, either of you have got, got anything you want to, to add on that? Uh, and I think the only thing for me is that let's say, let's say he serves his two years now. Let's say, the, let's say it's upheld. Is there really going to be a team in MLB who are going to touch him with a 10-foot pole? For any Americans listening, that's probably quite a British uh, expression. But he, you know, he's he's tainted now. And I think even if even if it's overturned, I think there would be riots if he's back in a Dodgers uniform and uh, and, and playing again. Now, obviously, should it be overturned, I imagine that there will be a lot more information released as to why it's been overturned. Um, so perhaps it's not as cut and dry as as it may seem, um, but I just—he'll only be thirty-three years old when his band's up. That's still plenty young enough to to come back into MLB uh, if he keeps himself in shape and try and rebuild a career. Um, he, he won't be commanding any, anything like the kind of money he he got on this Dodgers contract. Not, not anywhere close. He'll be looking. He'll be lucky to get. Um, he'll be lucky to get anything more than a million a year. But uh, you know, there's plenty of us who, who don't earn anything like that already. But I just think if I'm a if I'm an MLB owner, general manager, someone who makes decisions on signings, am I going to touch Trevor Bauer after this? And I keep coming back to the answer of. Of no, I don't know, Adam. What do you think? Do you think that? Do you think that anyone will touch him after this if he if he serves his ban? I, I don't think so. I don't. I I don't think you could ever go back in for him. I think you need some some distance from anything anything that's happened. And yeah, but I, I it's it's a hot. It's but it's not really a hard one because he he's, he should have been banned. I, but it's. The one issue I sort of have with it is there seems to be no sort of consistency from MLB on 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 um, 
the time that people serve. I mean, I know it's slightly different, different um, issues, especially like the, the Mar- uh, Azuna from last year. You only got like 30 games, was it? There seems to be no consistency from MLB with with the um, with the punishments that are issued. That I think that possibly needs sorting. Um, that would be my only issue. I, but I, I think it needs. I think I think the punishment is should be a standard punishment for, for everyone. I think uh, I think it should be heftier than thirty games for, for definite. I think yeah, the thing for. Sorry, Ian. I was just going to say, I don't know the details. You know, the full details have been kept relatively in-house and confidential. And ultimately, I think if he's been, if MLB have chosen to ban him uh, for for this length, then they've, they've obviously got their reasons for doing so. And I don't think it's because he's slightly obnoxious and doesn't toe the line as far as things go. As, as oh, no, no, I, I, don't th- I, don't think so. I don't think so either. But I, it's, it's just, it's, it's odd that, Chapman and Azuna and all the others who have, have had bans, it's been fairly minimal compared to what Bauer's been given, uh, which I always thought was was soft and not really taking it seriously enough. I think possibly they're maybe not taking it more serious. But again, like you said, we, we don't know the ins and outs of, of the accusations that he's been charged with. So, Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's kind of where it's at. So um, I think until we know the, the details... For me, a two-year ban. Uh, I think they they know things that they probably don't want to make public uh, because it's probably quite sickening. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I guess you know, time will tell. I think we'll see how the appeal rolls out, and uh, and and then we'll see how the Dodgers react to to the to the appeal. Right now, their their hands are tied, and, and they can only sort of say, as they have said, Trevor has the right to appeal, and we will make no comments. Uh, at this time, yeah. I think for us as as fans, it's fine for us to speculate um, and to uh, and to voice our opinions. And the, the club are right to sit on the fence until the the process has been has been seen through. The only concerning thing for me is quite how long this appeal could could drag out for. Um, it, it, there is no set timescale that it must work to, which is unusual, I think, for an appeal in the workplace. Uh, normally, there are quite stringent timescales that. Um, that employers must work to uh, when dealing with uh, with this type of, uh, of thing. Uh, when I say this type of thing, I mean uh, an employee wrongdoing, yeah. who uh, accused of doing wrong, uh, who is appealing against uh, a effectively a suspension or a dismissal. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll we'll see what comes to it and I'll move on to, to to happier subjects. I hope. Yes, indeed, you're absolutely right, Ian. Onto something something more positive. Uh, and as I mentioned at the start, we have a we have a champion in our midst, and this is this is kind of where where Adam and I get to get to sit back and listen to a story, and and, and Ian gets his to have his moment of glory, his moment in the sun, and tell us all about his the the amazing exploits of of him and the rest of his baseball team over the weekend. So um, over to you, Mister Blees. Uh, yeah, sure. So I was invited to take part uh, in a baseball tournament this weekend. The baseball tournament is called the Battle for Britain, and it is run by the Kent Buccaneers a Baseball Club based down in Tombridge uh, in Kent. And um, normally I play my baseball with Liverpool Trojans. Um, and on this occasion, uh, the Buccaneers travel team uh, run by John Carter, they got in touch. They're the team that uh, when I when I get to go over to America and play over there, they're the team that I go with uh, over there. 
And uh, not only that, but I was joined by uh, five other uh, Trojans as well. So it was quite a, quite familiar surroundings and some guys I'd played with before. Uh, so it was, it was nice to be a part of it. Uh, on paper, I personally uh, looked at the other teams that we were playing against. We were playing against the, uh, uh, the Rebelders, uh, who are a, a team of uh, largely uh, South American players uh, based from the uh, Southwest Baseball League. Uh, we played against them uh, when I played for the Northern Knights uh, in previous battles for Britain. Uh, we played against them uh, and they've always put out a, a strong team. I think they've actually won uh, two of the last uh, three or four tournaments. So, you know, we know that they're, we know that they're strong and we're expecting them to be strong. Uh, another team that was in there was the uh, Milton Keynes Bucks. Uh, now, the Milton Keynes Bucks are a team, funnily enough, based out of Milton Keynes. Uh, and this was a team that was put together, um, made up almost entirely, if not entirely, uh, of South African players uh, uh, from the area. Um, and uh, we knew that we were up against really strong opposition. Um, personally, I didn't think that we had much of a, much of a chance of, of winning the tournament, possibly even reaching the final. Um, I should point out that there were two levels to this tournament. We were playing at the what they call the higher level, um, and there was an elite level uh, as well. So uh, the, the elite level is the highest level, and the higher level was the lower one, of course. <laughs> Um, so basically it was, it was triple a, um, it was eff effectively in terms of British baseball, we were playing at the triple a level. Um, and the, the elite level was, was based at the NBL level. And that was won by a team called the, I think they were called the Haringey hackers, uh, run by Rich Minford. Uh, and basically it was a lot of the London Mets and, uh, and a lot of the GB team, um, over the, the, the last few years, uh, and, it was great to wit to watch them play and to and to witness some fantastic baseball at a fantastic tournament on a great diamond run by a great club. Um, but back to the success that we enjoyed. Uh, so we managed to pick up two wins and two losses in the round robin. Um, we had a win against the MK Box in the first game. Uh, we then lost a couple of games, uh, and then we had to see off the Rebelders in order to get through to the uh, in order to get through to the final, which we which we managed to do. Uh, we won 11-1 uh, to reach that final. Uh, now, the Rebelders would, felt that the umpiring was so unjust uh, that they uh, refused to take part in the consolation final uh, that was against the third-place team uh, in the elite level uh, the next day. They, they, most of them got in the cars and, 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 and went home rather than coming back the next day to play in that final, which was a real shame for the, for the Legends Baseball Club who finished third. Um, at the highest level, they, they were sort of robbed of a game. Um, but it was 11-1, and an umpiring decision or two going against you does not account for a 10-run deficit. And I think they need to, to, to look at that um, and, and consider whether they really feel that the umpiring is the reason that they, that, they lost that, that they lost that game. So we went through to the final. We played the MK box again. Um, it was a high-scoring final. It was very tightly poised. Uh, we took a, a bit of a lead early on. We managed to pile a few runs on and they were chipping away at us. Uh, there is no doubt they had the bigger hitters. Most of their runs came on home runs. Um, it was a seven-inning game, or it was supposed to be a seven-inning game. Um, and at the end of seven innings, uh, they chipped away at our lead to the point where it was 12-all. 
incredibly controversially, they had a what would have been a walk-off three-run home run ruled out as a foul ball down the left field line. Now, I'd been taken out of the game uh, at this point, um, and I was halfway up first base line watching from my dugout, um, and I, I couldn't tell. What I would say is the umpire had the best view in the house. He was right on the line, looking up there, and he made the decision straight away. And there was no one better placed in the diamond to decide if that was a foul ball or not than the umpire. Um, so to extra innings, we went. Um, the extra inning rules in this tournament uh, meant that we started with runners on first and second. Uh, so it was 12 all, and we managed to bring in, uh, we managed to bring in uh, four runs. Uh, and as we got up to 16, 12. And then we sent out our pitcher, Jose Pimentel, who also plays with me at club level for the Trojans for his eighth inning of work, uh, which probably hasn't done in quite a long time to, to pitch that deep into a game. Um, and we did manage to, to shut them down and we managed to win 16 to 13 in that final. And it was it was absolutely fantastic. We, we, were, we were genuinely uh, delighted to have uh, upset the odds, uh, to have come together. We're not a team that plays together uh, every week. It was absolutely fantastic to, to be able to, to do it. Obviously, I had a lot of guys that I play with, um, Rich Lee, Dave Martin Byers, Victor, uh, Victor Juarez, Tiran, uh, John Birchall, um, who was one of the best players in the tournament. The, the tournament MVP went to Jose Pimentel uh, for his heroic pitching in there, but it could have easily gone to John Birchall, who played shortstop for every inning of the game, came up with some incredible plays, and I think he hit above 500 for the tournament. I'd have to check the stats, which are available on the, on the British Baseball website. Um, don't go looking for mine. It wasn't my finest hour. Uh, I, I managed to contribute very well defensively, I feel, throughout the tournament, but my hitting uh, was uh, worthy of someone who hasn't trained a great deal um, and is coming towards the end uh, of, of, his, uh, of, his, of his baseball career. Um, but it was a fantastic tournament. I want to thank, you. I want to thank Chris Carter and Kemp Buccaneers for putting it on. Um, and I hope to be back there again uh, next year uh, with which, whichever, team, whichever team I'm with. And uh, there is another uh, tournament later, I think it's in August, um, where the Trojans are sending a team, our third and fourth team are sending a combined team down uh, to see if they can uh, win what is the equivalent of the, uh, of the, of the double-A tournament down there. So uh, if you are uh, available and, and, and free that weekend, then give it a Google and find out about it and get yourself down and watch some quality British baseball. Excellent. Wonderful summary. And, and congratulations again to, uh, to you and your team. Not bad effort. Not bad effort. Thank you very much. I don't think it's down to all of the, the tips on baseball you've picked up from Adam, myself and Leon while doing this podcast over the last 18 months. I'm sure that carried you over the line. Uh, absolutely. It made a huge difference every time I touched the ball. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So we now have our preview for the week ahead. We've got a couple of games against the Giants with Arias on the mound uh, tonight. Again, we've got a rest day, we've then got three against the Cubs, which includes, I think, two at UK Friendly Times, which is nice. And then the sixth game before, assuming we record the pod again at the same time next week, uh, the sixth game will be the first of three against the Pirates. So we've got six overall. Um, Adam, where do you want to pitch it this time? 
Uh, well, there's a bit of me that wants to go really positive, but that never works. So I'm going to predict that we we lose a game in every series. I think I think that's the only way to go. I think hoping that it might spur us on to win every game in the series. We'll do the opposite of what I did last week. So is that what's that three and three you're going for? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I could see us losing a game in each series, but I'll assume that we win the first game against the Pirates. So I'll take us one all against the Giants. I'll take us two one against the Cubs, and I'll take the first game against the Pirates. So I'll go four two for the week. Ian. Yeah, I mean it's tough opposition. Uh, the Giants, the Cubs, great teams. Um, yeah, I think I, I was going to say four two before uh, before uh, you, you got in there ahead of me, Mister Mister Ian Senior. Um, and I'll stay with I'll stay with four two. I, I don't much fancy going uh, going to going to three three. Um, and I, and I think five one's probably OTT. But as I said last week, I'd love to be one. I'd love to be wrong. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Excellent. Good. Thank you. Well, fingers crossed. Um, which just brings us now to the final item, and, and if you like AOB. So, Adam, anything, anything more from you tonight? Uh, there was something, but uh, it's completely gone out of my head. So we'll have to save it for next week. <laughs> I can't remember Excellent. what it was. I meant to write it down, forgot about it. About I can't remember what it was. Cool. How, how about you, Ian? I think I've kind of already had my my any other business section uh, shoehorned into the into the body of the uh, of the podcast with the uh, with the battle for Britain stuff. So nothing further to add. Uh, no more curveballs to throw. Cool. Well, I, I've just got one item, and I'm not going to go into all the gory details. But for any um, Reds fans out there who might be thinking of going to the game against the Pirates on Friday the sixth. If you happen to follow any of the red social media all i will say is in your own interest please stay away from the toyota tundra that's in the ground and i will say no more but if you want to go digging on twitter or Reddit or anything <laughs> like that feel free to do so but i would suggest you steer clear um, i saw that i saw with, that earlier yeah you did stay away <laughs> <laughs> and with that Thank you, everybody, for listening. As ever, please feel free to get in touch on Facebook or Twitter. If you've got any questions, anything you'd like us to cover, we'll do our best to uh, to cover it if we if we feel in any way that we can. Um, otherwise, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. All the best. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>